Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Stephen Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Well, 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 if it isn't old sports boy coming at you solo episode today, man, I missed you guys. It's been two weeks, two weeks since I was in the office last and there has been so many things happening, but before I get into anything there, let me just preface for all you people who think, oh, it's going to be straight nonsense today. Only TCG talk. Yeah, you can forget it. Well, there will be that. It's still happening. That will happen. But there is also going to be a number of sports things. There's going to be a big hobby story as well. I'm going to save that for the, the rundown because we're going to do this traditional. We're going to do the rundown. We never do the rundown anymore. You're going to get big picture. You're going to get one of those too because why not? Your boy's running the show today. Actually, I typically run the show every time. I just let Mike delegate and that should never happen that's that's on me i'm gonna step up especially now that he's a dad you know i've given him a lot of slack during these nine months of pregnancy with his wife but not anymore tough jesse's coming in uh actually there will be a tough jesse moment today but anyways the show um has been missed but i can't tell you guys what an amazing time i had on vacation because you have to see some pictures for that and i've only shared those privately um I might share a few. Uh, there's a lot of me shirtless. So, so yeah, I, of course, I will I will share those. But uh, what you may or may not be seeing, because I don't know if I'm going to post much of this on uh, YouTube, there is a facial hair thing going on. I do have a goatee right now, and I do look excellent. 
that let's just get that out of the way right now. That's probably where you're hearing all this confidence come from. It's the goatee talking. Now, after today, the goatee will be gone. The stash will be here to stay. That is because of a future dad podcast just has to be done. Um, Mike had a baby. Let's also say that. All right. Fine. Enough with Jesse. Mike had his baby. Little Theodore Michael Giuseppe was born September 6th. That was yesterday. And uh, he's doing great. Mom and baby are healthy. Um, they labor took, you know, whatever, two days or something. Can't rush these things. I don't, I don't know. It's, it was a long wait. The, the baby is one of the cutest kids I've ever seen, which that upsets me because, um, you know, I don't, it's a competition between Mike and I always about everything. So anyways, this child's great. He may call in cause he can't stand not being here. So, uh, but he, I told him, if you do call in, you're getting like two minutes, bro. That is it. So, um, all right, here's your rundown, everybody. The rundown includes the card porn incident. This is the card porn episode. Mike will have his uh, opportunity to share his thoughts and feelings because you know he's going to have those. Uh, but we've got to talk about it because why isn't it getting talked about? I don't know about you guys. I'm not seeing it hardly anywhere. And this is one of those things where I, I don't typically get too worked up about a lot of things because I like to go over facts and and not let my emotions completely override some of those things. But I cannot tell you what a garbage person uh, this Juan Garcia is to me at this point. Uh, just the overall gall of him to come up to me at the National. Um, but, you know, we're not even going to get into it yet because we got Darren Ravel joining us to talk about uh, not only what happened just recently with the whole Jordan Jersey fiasco, uh, but there's a number of other things. If you haven't had a chance to read his article over on the Action Network, I definitely suggest you looking into that. But we are going to talk about a number of other things that he has uh, done. And now it's like, what? how do you trust things going forward? Like he was, he was the hobby watchdog, so to speak. And now the hobby watchdog is a fraud. He, he is a garbage human being who has gone and convinced all of us that he was, you know, just watching out for the little guy when the whole time he was trying to take advantage of the little guy. It's, it's absolutely insane. Um, we're going to go over more of that with Darren here shortly. We will be talking with card ladders, Chris McGill, because it is week one of football. Uh, I know I haven't forgotten any of that. We are going to talk football. We're going to talk pricing. We're going to talk about possibly some good investments as well. Um, there's some big announcements with F SGC, excuse me. Uh, and Lorcana is what, what's going on. It's absolutely insane. So with all of that being said, let's go ahead and do one thing real quick, just to get it out of the way. All right. It is 1209. My time, Michael GSFE, you get like three minutes. Go for it, bud. I don't care for the introduction. I'll tell you that. I'm on no sleep. Papa so Bear, like to... GSFE. I'm sorry. There you go. Thank you. Little, little lackluster. <laughs> um, two events this week. Obviously, number one, my son born yesterday, Theodore Michael. If you, here's the deal. We have enough lazy people in this hobby. If you really want to 10X this thing, go have a kid. Bam. Boom. Hobby 10X. <laughs> that is my first piece of advice. Genius. Uh, Theo, is, Theo is doing well. I hate to be sentimental twice in a month, but at one point last night, I had been responding to messages all evening. 
At one point, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to lay down for a bit. Everybody else was asleep. Woke back up to 118 new direct messages on Facebook. I already responded like a maniac to everybody else. Uh, it was pretty cool to see the outpouring. We bashed that Facebook community, and deservedly so. But amidst all the nonsense and just ridiculous people on there, uh, pretty amazing the uh, the community we built on that on that social media platform. So that 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 was one of the cooler things of yesterday. Um, How- I'm already very convinced that Tom Brady is the goat. I said that yesterday. <laughs> he started talking remarkably fast. Yeah, he's a smart kid. You can tell already. He's got a, he's well, got a like, brain. Hey, mama, dada. He said, no, <laughs> wait, did he say bah, like a, like a sheep? Did he no, do like a goat? Oh, <laughs> like a goat. I see. I see what you're saying. Um, can you speak to the fact that being a father, has it changed you at all? Do you feel any different whatsoever? I'll go right past that. The other event, I'm going to give us a toss-up. Was I happier with the birth of my first son, my male offspring? Literally the birth of my child or the downfall of that absolute piece of human garbage, Juan Garcia Cardborn? It's a toss-up. I'm, I'm, I'm as happy about one as I am the other. I will tell you that. that. I think that's fair to say. That is, listen, I told the audience already that you will be sharing your feelings when you get back, but there you go. There's a little preview of that. Uh, we are, did I tell you that Darren is joining Darren? Yeah, I did. I texted you. So oh, I saw the list. You got okay. Darren, you got Chris. I mean, oh, it's yeah, a, I'm driving back to the hospital. So I figured I'd just pop in, say a quick hello. Co-host of the year, Mike Giuseppe, host of the year. Maybe Jesse Gibson. Not I'll a, leave you with that thought. Not even a maybe. I really appreciate that. But I look forward to being down there tomorrow, actually finally getting to hold this little child. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to save the emotion for off air, but whew, it's a cute kid. All right. Thank you, buddy. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. All right. There you go. There's Mr. GSF. He did want to pop in and he, he enjoys all of you people. We give the Facebook group a hard time, but man, there's been a lot of love there. And in Instagram, that's the picture of his kid is the most liked photo that we ever have posted. I just wish we had had a card to put in his hand because I can't imagine like we it blow up the hobby, uh, the the hobby Instagram pages. It would be amazing. Um, all right, enough of that. Let's before we got about five to eight minutes before Darren joins us. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in other parts of the hobby. The Lorcana thing. Just give me a second here because it's absolutely insane what's happening. If you can find a box of this stuff for like two hundred, two fifty, you are going to make crazy money. And that's the, what's crazy is there are certain places like the retail, like the suggested retail and all this for a booster box is supposed to be $150 that I bought mine like for 190, but and granted, I still don't have mine. I, I'm still waiting. I have confirmed twice now that it is still coming, um, but it, it's not going to be here for maybe another week or so. The, the amount of, uh, I guess, interest in this product is going through the roof and it's not just the hobby. It's just like kids. It's people who love TCG in general. It's people who love Disney. There's people just collecting it for the art who don't collect cards at all. Um, They've already said like people were concerned. Well, you know, prices are going to come down because they're going to do a reprint uh, coming out, I guess in October, they're now saying that that reprint is going to be fairly small. And now you're seeing boxes of this stuff sell, for three fifty to four hundred dollars, so a booster box is selling for three fifty to four hundred dollars, and yet there are some places that I have heard have sold it for as low as one fifty. Um, 
All that being said, if you can get your hands on pretty much anything uh, for a decent price, you are probably going to do yourself a favor to hold on to that. Because if there is not going to be a big reprint and this product continues to be successful, as many actual players of the game have really enjoyed it, they think it's like a good mix of like difficulty, but also like it's not so difficult that new people to TCG in general couldn't learn pretty quickly. They find it to be a really good mix of all of that. So it's just a good investment and it's fun for kids. If you if you like TCG, great. It's a fun game. But if you don't, you just like Disney movies. Kids love the artwork, it, it, period. My daughter loves Pokemon cards, not for the fact that she knows how to play the game, even though she thinks she does, but uh, she likes it for the art. So that is what a lot of people are looking for in this uh, set as far as their own personal interest. It doesn't have to be hobby related, but for those hobbyists out there who do want to buy it and make some money or just invest in it, I do still think there's opportunity if you can get it like below $300. Um, all right. That's a little bit of TCG talk. There's mailbag questions that kind of go over. We may have time to touch on, on some of that. I also want to touch on Deion Sanders. We're not going to go into the rest of the football cards at this moment. We're going to wait for Chris McGill to join later on in the show. Um, oh, crap. You know what? Dang it. See, this is what happens. I forgot to hit the big picture. The, this is Deion Sanders, not the big picture. I meant to do that when we started after the, the rundown, but it, it doesn't matter. Um, the Deion Sanders market, if you have not checked, is going crazy. Um, the fact that he has done so well coaching is... I guess a big surprise to a lot of people and it has been reflected in his card market. Um, this is one of those things where, you know, we get asked all the time, like, Hey, is this Netflix show going to do anything? Is this movie going to do anything to this guy's card pricing? And for the longest time we've said, you know, no, there, there's not a lot going on that's going to affect the retired person's card market. Well, in this situation, coaching, we have seen now, at least in this instance, is one of the factors that does affect a player's card market even after they've retired. Deion Sanders, uh, for multiple cards, he's had a spike. Some of those spikes have come down a little bit, but they're still he's still high. Um, 1989 tops traded Deion Sanders. That card was selling uh, as of the end of August, eighty-one dollars for a PSA ten. He has now had multiple sales for over one hundred twenty-eight dollars. Um, his 1989 score which is more uh, known as his like traditional rookie card, what people look to as his rookie card. Uh, that card was selling uh, September 1st, $720 for a PSA 10. That card spiked to $1,200, um, but it's still selling at like $925. So multiple sales there. And then uh, his 1989 Pro Set PSA 10, this again selling for, as of like a week ago, $50, $53 after the win, uh, spiked up to $80, then $101. Last sale was yesterday, looks like for about $117. Absolutely incre- incredible numbers. Um, I'm very happy for, for Dion and all those, you know, collectors my age, I think, because I have a few Dion Sanders cards. Unfortunately, I don't have any of these specific ones. But he was like a big player when I was growing up in the 90s. Um, obviously, he's going to be in a lot of your sets. So uh, if you were already big holder, uh, a big holder there, I'm not saying like you have to sell, but 
more than likely they're going to come back down some, um, especially if this is like a, a flash in the pan type of thing. And, it, you know, the winning streak doesn't continue. But for all those who want to take a chance, if he continues to do well, that that could just continue to, if nothing else, it could continue to grow some. I, I don't suspect there's going to be huge spikes, um, but it would at least maintain value. So either sell now or, or hold if you believe he's going to continue to do well in his new position. There are a few other things I wanted to talk about. The SGC news before Darren got on here. I'm, I think I'm going to wait on that one um, just because of timing. There was a, a few Panini stories that came out. The I did want to talk about um, that real quick. So we did hear from Panini basically, and I think some of you have already heard this, The they are, at least as far as their NFTs go specifically, they are not doing any more of uh, NFL NFTs at this moment. They're basically saying, hey, we're not going to sell any of these. If you have them already, you can sell them on the secondary market, but we're not going to sell any more of them. I don't know if that's directly going to relate to physical products or not. Um, at this point, it's still uh, kind of up in the air, but just something to think about. Um, the Penny also got hit again with a, a totally separate issue. The, they got hit with a wild card lawsuit. I th- this would, had already been going on apparently, but they reached a $25 million settlement because they were like copying, I guess at some point in the past, copying some of their cards, the artwork like pretty blatantly. Uh, so they are paying out for that. Unfortunately, Penny's gotten hit quite a bit lately. Um, I say all that because they, they still do good things for the hobby and they still did good things for the hobby too. I just don't want that to be forgotten. Um, one thing, cause we still do some stuff with the NFT side of things, cause it is still a really popular part of the hobby. Um, so much. In fact, the, the selects UFC NFTs, the 2023, if you guys are into that at all, they gave me like 10 of them. Cause I don't know, like our listeners aren't as into UFC. If that is something you were into, I have 10 packs. If you go to sportscardsnonsense.com forward slash treasure, there's a little sign up area. If you go in and put in your information and you want to pack, drop your blockchain ID in the, the message area and then enter the rest of the information requested. And I will, the first 10 people will get a pack of UFC. I, I will send it over to you. Um, again, you just have to have a blockchain ID on the Panini America uh, website, which is easy enough. Uh, but anyways, the, the first, the first off the line packs sold out in like within the first day, there's like 9,300 of them. And these are the regular packs that come out in a, a couple days, uh, actually on Friday. So tomorrow at 10 PM, uh, I'm sorry, 10 AM central time. So that is what we have gotten to thus far. Now, this is really the time to push this button. Big picture, big picture time, because Mr. Darren Ravel of Action Network HQ has officially joined us. Darren, how are you, sir? I'm 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 alive. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's been a lot a lot of work going on, but uh, you're a busy man I, these I am, days. I am good. I am here. Yeah, man. You are, so when you've been traveling, you travel for much of these stories. Like the card porn story, uh, obviously involves all the way you know things happening in australia you didn't go to australia or anything right i did not go to australia though that is not out of the question oh man uh, go to australia and find uh, one find no, him. We'll, we'll we'll see i i am i am committed to this story but traveling for other things or for for the action network for i mean today's the start of the nfl season so um you know doing that while trying to do this story which you know has taken on a life of its own 
Absolutely. And that's kind of, you know, what we wanted to talk about today is maybe what I, I thought what you would do is give a breakdown of the story first. And if you guys haven't had a chance, you want to read it for yourselves over on actionnetwork.com. It's the, the title of this is it's very catching as well. I, I like if you came up with that title, it's very nice. Michael Jordan, Banksy, and how a collectibles watchdog turned into a fraud. That was the name of the article that just came out yesterday. Um, maybe give a little uh, rundown because I know many of us know of Cardborn as the Instagram account. They were kind of like, they would make posts about scammers. They would call out things that they've deemed as unfair. And they seemed like nice guys to the general hobbyist. But obviously, uh, there was always the anonymity factor that I know Mike specifically, he always had an issue with, and he never really cared for cardboard. I, I like to give him the benefit of the doubt, which obviously I was proven very wrong about. Um, at this point in time, what have we found out about card porn Juan Garcia uh, and the actions he has taken over the last couple of years that you know about? Yeah, so I mean, it kind of just all unraveled for him, um, the fact that he we know he bought this jersey, this Jordan jersey, uh, in the gray flannel auction. For some reason, my grade didn't know he got it from there. Um, but it was then present my, my gray had previously f- failed to come up with any photo matching to the person who was the consigner of that Jersey. So, um, that doesn't mean there that there's anything wrong. It's just that they had to be presented with new photos. Those new photos were quote unquote presented from the Tony Ramsey foundation. This photographer actually did really exist. He died years ago. Um, but then there was this foundation, um, the hobby obviously didn't like the photo match. Migray said it, it at least matched the two pictures, but there was also this, you know, this evidence of if you look at even grainy photos, it did not look like the jersey from a matching standpoint. So the hobby was questioning it, and I just wrote a story on that. In uh, Migray, just for those who don't know, is like they are like kind of the go-to for jersey authentication in the hobby. Is that right? Yeah, photo matching. They're they they have the NBA deal. They have official deals. Okay. Um, so when they run, came out and run, said, run, "Yeah, run. this is legit," yeah. that's a big deal. Yes. Um, and then they issued a second statement saying they do believe it's legit, even though some photos are inconclusive. I don't know how far. I mean, I so I wrote that story. I don't know how far I was going to go. And then I feel like they poked the bear a little bit by the next day I got a weird email from this person named Brittany from the Tony Ramsey foundation. It was a four page email. It basically talked about how they thought that I was unfair because I unfair to the late Tony Ramsey again, seems a little bit weird how a photographer would have a foundation. And I mean, to maintain a photo archive, it's like twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year just to maintain are there really that many people not to not to insult him but are there really that many people looking for tony ramsey photos there's just things that it it failed yeah and it sounded like it was coming from a collector so i challenged and said hey Brittany, can you get on a zoom with me right now and uh they said no we'd like our lawyer to be involved they said oh you could bring the lawyer on and uh then it went dark and i was like yeah this is not right so then I started looking at when the Tony Ramsey Foundation started. They said they were around for like 15 years. Uh, their website was started two weeks ago. And then it really started to unravel from there that it was just like a real case of fraud where every part of this process was 
was jerry-rigged to actually create a situation. And then, you know, not surprisingly, Migray does their what they have to do and figures out the photos themselves were doctored so that they could match the photo. And uh, and we're off to the races. And and at this point, so you've you've uncovered that you came out with the article that uh, disclosed all this information. And when is it that you start putting things together about like who's running the the foundation, the Tony Ramsey Foundation, and then tying in card porn, a.k.a. Right. Juan so, Garcia. So, so, right. So, yeah. Yeah. So so my idea was like, let me like look up his let me look up his children. Like, let me see where his children are. He had four children. I was able it's hard to get numbers sometimes, but I was able to get the uh, cell phone number of his son. I called it at midnight. He was working. Uh, um, he works in cybersecurity, which is ironic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, at the, he, at the time, he, at the time was like three hours into saying what the hell is happening here before I got to him. So he knew right away that there was something up. He said, my dad doesn't have a foundation. My dad, my dad did not organize photos. He did not have any sort of archive is very disorganized actually. And I'm like, Oh my God, this whole thing is a house of cards. Wow. Um, and, and, and then, um, you know, and, and so we knew it was Juan Garcia, but we also knew it was Juan Garcia who went into my grave because he actually had a video of a Kobe jersey and the Jordan jersey that he then took down. So we knew my gray wouldn't tell me it was definitely Juan Garcia in in my gray, but he's from Australia and he placed himself in my gray. So like hmm. the question is, was, and, and and then the other thing that happened after that was he had the audacity that he wants to be private, but he had the audacity to go to the national. And enough people know who he is, right? Nat oh. Turner knows who he is. Ken Golden knows who he is. Enough people know who what his real name is. Enough. Oh, that was when he came up to me and introduced himself at the National. That's where, like... This did he w- say his name was Juan Garcia? Yeah, he introduced himself as Juan Garcia to me. Yeah, to me at least, because that, that was the, the whole thing, is because it was maybe a week before we went to the National that someone reached out to us. I don't want to say who, but someone reached out to us right. and said they knew who card porn was, and they said the guy's name is... Juan Garcia. And they said they didn't care for him, but they didn't go into any explanation or anything like that. And I was like, oh, okay. well, I know Mike doesn't care for him. And but it it, Mike really it wasn't anything like we hadn't heard any of the other of of this story, of course, or any of the other story that we'll go into. But at that point, this is where I felt really guilty because he was guilting me because Mike was basically, you know, at that time, Mike had been saying some negative stuff about him. He's like, it's unfair. I'm just trying to like be the good guy. And I, like a fool, believed him. Like he had the audacity to make me, uh, you know, stick up for Mike or stick up um, for, for him to Mike after that conversation. You know, he wanted me to go back and let him know, yeah, yeah, I'm a good guy. You know, I'm trying to, I haven't done anything. Why, why the attacks and all this stuff? absolutely insane of that. He has to be some kind of psychopath for this to be okay to him. Um, I, I, I just don't understand how he could get away with doing something like that. So if there, if there's a thing that's consistent with people who do this type of stuff, it's that they want to walk the fine line, right? Like, mm-hmm. so his fake names were Juan, John, and Jonathan. Like he could have easily been Eddie and Robbie and whatever. Right? Oh yeah. But like there's some sort of like adrenaline junkie thing about it. And then it's also that they can't stay away. It's like the fugitive type thing. Like, like oh, it sounds like a serial killer. Non- That's what serial killers do. 
Yeah, if, if he wanted to be anonymous, then he shouldn't have shown up at the National. But the thing was, I think he did like to start to get the fame that he was getting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he rose up quickly. And, and, and so that's, you know, at some point, I think the fame drew him in. I mean, he was sitting at Ken Golden's dinner and people knew who he was. And it's fine for people to know who you were. And, oh, that's card porn. Right. And he really wishes to be anonymous unless there's something else going on and there was something else going on. Absolutely. Well, and so you had since that article came out, the initial one came out, you then came out with this one that came out yesterday, uh, September 6th about there, there was a more, there were more incidents that were uh, not previously known, at least not known to the public. And one of them began back in 2001 in Australia. Is that right? It was, it was June, 2020. Two in Australia. Oh, 2022. Um, okay, in Australia, yeah. at a McDonald's is where yeah. this this takes place. At a McDonald's, in a McDonald's, um, a guy uh, was trading a couple Michael Jordan cards, like patch cards, um, for a 1986 Fleer box. It's somewhere worth around 150 thousand dollars, right? Is that the right? Okay. Right. Yeah, and the thing is, he set up everything as if maybe it was going to be a fraud. He had his wife stationed in the parking lot, taking, saying, hey, there's going to be a guy coming out. Make sure you get pictures and video of him. I'm going to record my in my pocket. I'm going to record the conversation. Uh, and I he, and I got see, that's the thing that that also nailed him here is that. We piece together all this stuff later, but like I was able to say, OK, that's definitely Juan Garcia. Right. And so. Yeah, that's that's the that's the thing that did him in where. So he has we have all this video. We have everything else. Um, and uh, so what happened was they traded and then he had again, we keep bringing up audacity. He had a a business card. His name was Jonathan Studdard at the time. And he had a business card and the business card said the guy who he's trading with phone number. Oh my God. Wow. Oh my. So the guy a day later looks, I mean, maybe that was unclear in the story because some people were asking me, Yeah. imagine if you did a $150,000 trade, Jesse, and you got, you looked at the business card and it's your phone number at the end in where to contact him. Not only can you not contact him, it's like, it's like a whole F you situation. Like I scammed you and he knew right away he got the chills and he's like, Oh my God, this is fake. And he didn't didn't look at the, I did not see that. Yeah, I I didn't get that from the article. That is blowing my mind. This person needs to go to jail. I don't, like, that shouldn't, that person shouldn't be out walking the streets. That is a psychopath. He, he had, oh, and he's just stealing this guy's money. And and, Um, and, and it wasn't just a story. It wasn't just a story. Uh, The the guy shared with me his card that said Jonathan stuttered and then had that guy's phone number. And he didn't know until two weeks later when he goes to the national or two months later when he goes to national, he sees Steve Hart and he's like, is this BBC rapping fake? And he's like, no, it's real rapping. It's just that if you look at the number, so you have the sticker, the BBC sticker, and then you have the number on it. He goes, I just looked at the number and the number is actually the number that's on our exemplar on our website. So that's where he screwed up because we don't have that number in the system. Oh, wow. And then he goes and looks because the guy's in Australia. Uh, he goes and looks and sees that he sent something to Juan Garcia. He was sending him 1983 Tops Olympic rack packs. 
those are the ones with like Muhammad Ali and just generic Olympic cards. Mm-hmm. Sealed, they cost $300. Basically the cheapest thing BBCE sells sealed. And the reason he wanted those was because they were the biggest boxes possible. So it would allow him to place the box in and have the biggest surface area to work with. Oh my. So he could use reuse the wrapper and it still looked like it was as, like as a much professionally as possible. Yeah. And then and then the wow. other thing, of course, is that there's a there's a video of them o- opening the, the box with Drake and Ken Golden at one point says BBC uh uh card porn took the B- BBCE wrapper. So what? you're like Wait that was a in uh, that video? Yes. Oh my gosh. That so he could have used that wrapper to cheat someone else. I mean that th- then then there's also like uh yeah like so so oh there's also a, a, a 1986 box break with uh with Juan Garcia and this Cherry Collectibles who is one of the biggest guys in Australia um and they're opening and Juan is clearly there and it's kind of like it's like, is this the box that then leads to like, there's probably no Jordans in there. There's no stickers. There's no, there's no good cards in there. No, um, absolutely. And it's sealed. So are, is this the very box? I mean, wow. it's crazy. And then, and then finally, finally, and I got like two more minutes. So I'm sorry. I have to run. You're good. But finally, the crazy. So that now we get to, he can sign two Banksy's to uh, you know, pieces of art to Ken Golden asked for a reserve of you know $825,000. He had already tried to sell those for $1.25 million each. Didn't hit the reserve. Ken didn't like that one kind of had a 911, uh, like the plane crashing into like the warning sign. It looked like it was crashing into the Twin Towers. And um, then he, he brought it on to Heritage. Now, Heritage is like the third largest art dealer in the world. So you'd think they would mm. know what, how to do this. Yeah. Anyway, I've been in touch with Pest Control, who is the official um, authenticator of Banksy. And on Juan Garcia's uh, company website, Gloss Media, they have a media kit. And one of his sites is his site called Art Fido. And on that media kit, it says that Banksy went on Art Fido to reveal a special video for something that he had done. And I spoke and I emailed with the people at pest control and they told me that is absolutely categorically not true so it's not looking good now heritage says that based on my inquiry they're kind of taking a step back but these things have been sold for three hundred fifty two thousand dollars each so how much has he you know in the industry we don't know who consigners are this is this is kind of press precedent setting in that we have we'd have to shift back and be like well how much has he quietly consigned um, and, and what is real and what is fake. And if he faked these Banksy's, if he faked Banksy's, he sure as hell could fake PSA cases. 100%. The fact that he had like that art Fido, that other account where, cause his background is in art, right? Like he, he knows a lot about it and I assume he knows how to restore. Yeah. The, what else is out there? I, I really appreciate you coming on Darren. I know you don't have uh, much more time, so just wanted to say thank you. And please continue to keep us posted on new stories coming out. Um, I got to think that we're going to hear more and more uh, stories about malfeasance. I'm, yeah, I'm getting done. more tips. The whole industry wants to get them. You know, they, oh, they, perfect. They, so, yeah. Well, so, yeah. Thank you. For thank your time, you, Jeff. man. All right. That was Darren Ravel again of the Action Network. Um, if you haven't checked out, there's some more detail in that article. Uh, and of course, it sounds like we're going to get more 
information about this Juan Garcia. Last anyone knows, he was in Australia. People say he also spends a lot of time in Spain, too. Like, are we dealing with, like, a Thomas Crown Affair international, like, art thief? Like, what is this? What is happening? I, I think there's a big question going around the hobby related to all this is, like, how is this going to affect just people's trust in either influencers or just anybody who makes a name? And how, how do you trust us? How do you trust sports cards nonsense? Mike and Jesse, how do you trust anybody that you listen to to consume content to get information from when there are people like this who could seem legit and, and still lie to your face, just defraud you without a care in the world? I, and I, I do have an initial thought, and we'll, Mike and I will discuss this probably on Monday if he's back or Thursday. But first off, the anonymity thing, that was a bigger red flag than I think any of us could really uh, appreciate uh, before we knew about this. So that is one thing glaring. But I also think the kind of mind, the kind of person to do something like this is not that common. I don't think you find people that legit, like, I think if we talk to a psychologist, they would probably have better words than just psychopath. But that does seem to be like someone who has no real empathy, like that can just lie to your face and feel very confident about it, smile while they know they're trying to, you know, stab you in the back. This is something that I don't think is very common throughout the world, uh, let alone the hobby. So hopefully this is a very rare, more uh, one-off situation, but it doesn't mean that we can't learn some lessons from this. And that, again, is something that we'll discuss further coming up. All right. Uh, Man, the the fact that he had the phone number on the card that he gave to the guy he was scamming. He had his own phone number on there. Just wow. That blows my mind. I I don't get heated often, but I... I wanted like my first thought after reading the article was like, I wanted to fly to Australia. That was my initial thought. I wanted to fly to Australia and go to the address because the, the guy who he scammed in that, um, there was one other incident uh, that we didn't talk about where he scammed another guy, uh, that was on blowout forums. You can probably find that with a, a simple Google search, but he, it was a Michael Jordan, I think scorecard, um, thousands of dollars again, uh, lost because of this. But the guy had his home address and phone numbers posted. I'm, uh, from what I heard is after Ravel broke the story and he shut down all of his social media accounts, even phone numbers for him were gone. I don't know if that address was like uh, a rental or if he actually lives there or what. But uh, the story did go on to talk about in Australia, there was a, uh, a police case opened, but it was closed after they couldn't find any additional information. Now that this has broken out and like, we know who it is. They've apparently reopened that case. So there's a good chance we may hear about him actually being arrested before too long. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. We all know the, the seriousness of this in the hobby, the, the seriousness of trust in the hobby, especially because we are still, you know, in a real infancy infancy of this hobby, as far as like, we don't have like designated channels to buy and sell uh, to, to everyone, right? We can go through them, but a lot of people don't use them. So there's a lot of trust that's still needed. And this is definitely given a, a wake up call to a lot of people, I think. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. 
Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so Darren Ravel, thank you for for coming. That brings us to our next guest. A better, I don't maybe equally great. Uh, yeah, we'll say equally great just to keep everybody happy. Chris McGill of Card Ladder, how the heck are you, sir? I'm doing great. I definitely uh, cannot fill the shoes of Darren Ravel. So don't you we'll just dare him say a that. notch above me, okay? Don't you dare say that. He has. Very average size feet. You could fill those shoes any day of the week. Uh, how uh, how's everything going, man? You were just at Burbank, the card show. How'd that go? It was a lot of fun. Really fun card show. I love card shows that outside of the card show, it's still a nice destination as well. So oh, nice. I love going to Southern California and um, getting a chance to spend a little time in that area of the country was really nice. Dude, what was funny is my wife and I were in San Francisco. I was texting Christina about this. We were in San Francisco the same time you guys were in Southern California. Unfortunately, they're not that close together where I could make an easy trip down there. But I, I will say if it, the weather was anything like what we were getting up there, it was uh, I don't know if perfect is too strong of a word, but man, it was nice out there. It, I, there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't want to necessarily stay in California, but the weather is not one of them. It is Absolutely stunning, and I, I had a great time while I was there. The, the card show itself, it sounds like that was a good good time. Like you guys had success. Was it busy? Would you say it was? It, it was a, it was a busy show. There was a giant uh, room of strictly dealers. So the, the structure of this show was to put the corporate booths in one area uh, on a lower level and put the dealers on the second floor. Oh, okay. And so there was there were some really awesome corporate booths uh, on the lower level. PSA was doing on-site grading. Well, not on-site grading. They were doing end-of-show grading uh, where they, they take the cards, they bring them back to their office, then they grade them by the end of the show. 
So for collectors club members, that was like a hundred bucks per card, which was really cool. I did, I graded a, a few cards that way. And then upstairs, yeah, it was just, it was full with uh full of dealers with great cards. And you got to see some dealers and some collectors there that you don't really see at the other shows just because this is more conveniently, conveniently located to them in Anaheim, California. So very nice. it, it was good. It was, it was well attended. Lots of foot traffic. It was a really good show. Okay, good, good. Cause I, I think the, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, and this can't kind of was pointed out more clearly when uh, we had a, a mailbag question about it. Uh, in fact, I'll just read it since it, the guy deserves some credit for it. Um, Brandon Steck had asked, what's going on with the football market? Week one, the index does not look to be going up for singles as much as we'd expect. So obviously he's been looking at the the card ladder index to to look at some of this. And I once he said that, I did look it up. I am kind of surprised it's not doing more, but what are, what are your thoughts as far as this goes? Because if the the comp or the the Burbank show was doing well, and that's what we've been hearing from a lot of other people is that these shows are doing really well. You would think that the market's still, you know, chugging along pretty strong since uh, the correction over the last year and a half, two years. So what do you think's going with the football market? Yeah, Jesse, it's a great question. When I was kind of like browsing some of the questions that people were sending in on the Facebook group today, I saw that one and I, I figured that we might discuss it. So I made some notes about it. I also wanted to mention too one thing about the Burbank show real quick, and then I'll go to the question. Yeah, was like at, at all shows that we go to, and Burbank was no exception. Um, we had a few people come up to us and just say, "Hey, like I I heard about Carlyer from the Sports Cards Nonsense podcast. That's Hello. how I know about you guys." Hell, yeah, I'm raising, so I'm raising just, the roof. If no one can see, I'm raising the roof. Yeah. I just want to give you guys a shout out for that because like it happens, it never fails at every show. Somebody will bring it up. They say they love you guys. They find the show very entertaining. Oh. And it's because of you guys that they know about us. So. And thanks to the Chris McGill interviews we do once a month. So I think yes. we'll just go ahead and give this to both of us. Oh, That's a that's a round of applause. <laughs> that's a round of applause. That wasn't even me. That was actually exactly. people in the audience. Um, all right. So. The you looked into the football market, yes, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Card Ladder has a total market index of football cards that's about forty six hundred cards, and that index is down twenty nine percent year to date. And so there's just two things to think about here when sort of trying to analyze the football market, starting from. Card Ladder's football total market index. Okay. The first one is that um, the inde- all indexes in Card Ladder are price weighted. Uh, so they're not market cap weighted, they're price weighted. And so what that means is that when you have an environment like the one we have right now, where higher end cards that hit these really high peaks in 2022 and now have been coming down gradually in 2023 or dramatically in some cases that those will have an outsized effect on the percentage change of the index, Jesse. Okay. So if you you could even have like to take an example, like let's say Patrick Mahomes, let's say his prism rookie card in a PSA 10, that could be up $500 over the course of, of the year 2023. But if his National Treasures RPA is down $10,000, that's going to wipe out 
that $500 gain and more. So I think that's gotcha. one of the reasons why when you look at the total market index for football, that, um, you know, there, there's percentage changes that don't necessarily match up with intuition. So and then the, not the second say, one is that would it, would it be clear? Oh, would, ahead, it, sorry. would it be true to say that now this isn't necessarily the case, but if some of the higher price cards were not fetching as high of a price, even though some of the lower price cards were, uh, you know, doing what they were or better, that would not be reflected in that overall number because, well, it would be reflected in that overall number, but it wouldn't tell the full picture of, Hey, the cards that I usually buy are actually up or better than while some of the cards that I can't afford or, you know, are only for the wealthier people out there. Some of those cards may be down and that's what you're getting that bigger negative number from. Could that be accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. So like there's, there's always a, there's always a question of how far do you want to zoom in? when looking at the data or, or how far do you want to zoom out? If you, if you zoom out and you look at the big picture of football, you know, the total value, the, the total value of that 4,600 card index is 29% lower today than it was at the start of the year. But if you want to start zooming in on different parts of that index, which I think maybe we'll do in a little bit, like I, I pick some of the player indexes that are moving in their own directions if you want to zoom in on a player's index and sort of see how that player's doing, or even zoom in further and on a just zoom in on a specific card, you can find all sorts of different trends. So th- that's why I love this question is that, you know, there's, there's 4,600 cards here and on the whole, the trend is down, but that's certainly not the case. If you zoom in a little further, and then the other thing I wanted to make really quick, a point I want to make really quick on the football market index is that, uh, there is no um, there's no survivorship bias present in these total market indexes. And what I mean by that is if, if we're looking at um, at a, at a, an, a curated index of some other asset class like may, or maybe stocks or something, you know these indexes add and remove companies and when and, and if and when a company goes to zero, it completely falls off the map and it's no longer registered as, as part of that index. Mm-hmm. That's not true for sports card indexes. For the, for the indexes that we have, if a player goes from $100 to one penny per card, that player is represented in that index. And that card will always be in that index. So uh, there, okay. that's something to think about is that over time, you know, as, as new draft classes come out, People have expectations and lots of players have value. But as time passes, as players fizzle out, as interest sort of gravitates and, and focuses on one key player or a handful of key players, all that other stuff kind of starts to, to fade and to sink a little bit. But it still shows up in the index. So index, there's, there's going to be a, a tendency over time for total market indexes to trend towards zero just because not everything's a winner and there's more losers than winners. Yeah, I was going to say, well, in that in that situation, man, because you would see this go, this index or all indexes in the card world in this scenario would inevitably go to zero or very close to because you're only going every year a new class comes out, you're only going to have a handful of like really great people that people are going to continue to collect that are going to do well and the majority are going to drop off so I guess, is that actually one of the reasons I'm just thinking about this now? Because sometimes there are guys on, I can't find in the, the card on card ladder 
do you guys kind of systematically choose some of those because you already have a, a good idea like, hey, you know, Joe Smith of the 1982 team of I don't uh, you know I shouldn't be talking about sports but the some <laughs> rando some random guy who no one ever know, knew anything about you guys purposely don't add him in because he's going to have no value he's essentially just going to drag down the index more over time no um we don't make decisions based on that basis although I I see where you're going with this and it and the intuition is right the idea that there are some cards that just really don't matter um, to most people in the hobby. Every card matters, all right? Let me just say that. Every card belongs to a set. There's a collector for every card out there. But there are lots of cards out there that just are not the focal point of what collectors are focusing on, okay? So mm-hmm. let me give you a, a quick number because I was just looking at these numbers recently for some internal stuff that we've been doing. So in the month of August... Um, there was $217 million in total secondary market transactions of trading cards, $217 million. And we tracked about $40 million, or I'm sorry, we verified about $40 million of it. Wow. So like 20%? We, we verify, you know, on a given month, it, we can, the, the amount of the secondary market that our researchers verify is typically somewhere between 18 and 30%. It's wow. been somewhere in that range of the total secondary market for online trading cards, which is a decent percentage. So, and, but, but that's as a percentage of total value. All right. So if something, if, if, if you come across, you know, card letter has two databases. We've got just every sale ever mm-hmm. online, basically. That's not completely true, but basically we've got every online sale you could want to see in sales history. That's over 70 million sales. It's almost at 80 million. That's a huge database. And then within that database, there's a subset, which is the players and the cards that we have dedicated researchers to tracking and to building sales histories for and to verifying every sale of those players that comes in. So right now we're verifying somewhere, you know, between 18 and 30% on a monthly basis, depending upon the month of the total market. So there's, there's pretty good coverage there. Mm-hmm. So if a card is not in that subset, maybe it will be. So like, for example, we don't have a Desmond Ritter index right now. He, we didn't allocate research efforts um, to building a profile of him. He has plenty of sales and sales history, but we didn't dedicate resources to building a profile of him yet. But, but he's one who's coming up next because he's become so important this off season and coming into the season in the hobby. Mm-hmm. So we kind of try to make decisions like that, Jesse, where it's like we have good coverage, but what's, what's something that we can add next that's going to bring the most value to the people who are, who are subscribers of card ladder. Can I make a personal request? This is personal for me. And I'm going to just go ahead and say it's on, on, on behalf of every single person in the world. Um, I would like every starting QB to have an index. I, that's just a personal request. I know you're very busy. You don't have to do that. I, you've got other things. I know you would do it if you could. Just something to chew on, you know? That's just something. Yeah, no, I agree. We do. We need that, okay. man. Like, we right. have so a lot of them. we're on the same page. We have a lot of them, but you we do. need you all of them. You have the majority of them yeah. on there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So with that being the case, maybe we talk a little bit about who... It, have you had a chance to, like... I, I know you're a basketball guy. How much are you into football? I'm into football about 75% as much as I am into basketball. Like, okay. I love football. I watch it, play yeah. fantasy, collect players. But, yeah. So, the 
right now there's you know a number of people who are saying you know top top three or four starting quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes, Burrow, and Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts as well, and then Justin Herbert. It depends on how who you talk to and what they're looking at. But Patrick Mahomes is overall number one, I think, on almost every uh, list I've seen. But at this point in time, I I would I wanted to talk today about like guys who I thought could actually be decent invest investments. And when I looked at the Mahomes market, it just doesn't look like there's really room to get in without like a, a decent size uh, size downside opportunity because he is still maintaining a lot of value from last year. I, uh, you know, specifically the, I was looking at his 2017 optic card just because the PSA 10 seems to be the one that a lot of people gravitate towards. It has maintained the, the high since the Super Bowl, just about it's selling for about uh, $1,085 or so. And that's right around where it was when he uh, won the Super Bowl last year. So I don't know about Mahomes as far as an investable asset, but I was curious what your thoughts were before we go to anybody else. That's a great topic because the quagmire of Mahomes is that through the first five seasons of his career as a starting quarterback, he is so much more accomplished and so much more prolific than any of his peers. Mm -hmm. So you're talking two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl victories, two Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs, and a statistical trajectory, which has only been enhanced by the addition of a 17th regular season game that puts him in the ballpark of 5,000 passing yards and, I don't know, 40-plus passing touchdowns every season. You know, which, which if he maintains health and, and has a long career uh, along the lines of Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, I mean, this guy could be setting all types of records yeah. by the time he's done. Uh, so he's just – there is such a gap between him and his peers at this point. And I think that second – like earlier this year, winning that second Super Bowl and that second Super Bowl MVP was huge because that that put the separation between him and players who got one, you know, like a Russell Wilson or somebody like that. Sure. So I, I think that he he has created uh, such a separation. And, and, and then also like him having this explosion, this incredible performance during – a time in the hobby when so many people were coming back in or, or are back in there, there's going to be great nostalgia for this era down the line. And he is one of the defining faces, maybe the defining face of this pandemic era of the hobby. So there's so much, I think to be bullish about with Patrick Mahomes, but then to your point is that his cards are very expensive still, and they've been on a backslide for two years well, Even after he's had accomplishments. And then you think, too, like with Kelsey being out and then uh, their defense being whatever it is with uh, Jones being, I, I don't know what his situation is. I guess he's just holding out for his contract to get better. But uh, at this point, it does have a lot of people skeptical of like, how is that going to affect? Even He could be the best quarterback, but if the, the rest of his key uh, assets aren't doing as well, then they're not going to win as many games. So obviously that could be a hindrance on his pricing, too. Well, yeah, he's up 5%, though, Jesse. It, it, I was astonished when I was looking at the indexes over the last month for football players. And he's up 5% over the last month. I, I haven't seen Mahomes in the green 
showing a positive number in a long time. But 5% over last month, not bad. Yeah, no, that's not bad at all. Okay. Um, anybody that you would deem as someone maybe undervalued right now? Because as I look through it, I did look at Trevor Lawrence as an opportunity to invest in if you think he is going to be this all-time great that many people do. I know, I know that's Mike's opinion. Is like he he's very high on Trevor Lawrence. Um, I say that knowing that his 2021 Prism PSA 10 currently sells for like $345. And I know that Josh Allen sells for $373 and he's more of a proven quarterback. But the big difference I see here is pop counts, knowing that there's only 266 of the Trevor Lawrence and there's almost 2000 of the Josh Allen. It just seems to me that there could be a lot of room for Trevor Lawrence to, to go up in value, especially that specific card uh, if he continues to perform well, if he does very well this year. Agreed. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think his his card market in particular is going to be directly impacted by how he performs and how his team performs. But I think, like, so in other words, there are, there are certain segments of the card market where, like, the player or the set are overlooked and they could do well, even if the player doesn't do well, or even if the player's retired, even like that, they can still do well. So like to give one example of that, we had that huge uh, Justin Jefferson sale on mm. PWCC. And I know you guys, your social media had highlighted his prison black finite. One of one rookie went for around 57,000. Yeah. Crazy. And then I was looking at like some of the indexes for some of the retired players, like Calvin Johnson, he's up 18% over the last month. Randy Moss is up 10% over the last month. There sort of can be this, like, you just have to put yourself in the mind of a collector or a dealer or a flipper or an investor. Put yourself in their mind. Put yourself, what are they thinking? When they see that Justin Jefferson sale, there's some number of people who say, you know what? If Justin Jefferson's best card or one of his best cards is worth this much, well, what about Megatron's best card, Calvin Johnson? Or what about Randy Moss's best card? Because these are the best wide, some of the best wide receivers of all time. So there can be pockets of this, of this uh, hobby that are undervalued that have nothing to do with performance, they, even for retired players. But I think to your point about T-Law, it's, it's really going to come down to how that team performs because if that team performs well, it's going to build up enthusiasm and excitement. But I would, I would caution people, beware of the, of the early sell-off. So inevitably, when a season starts, especially if a player starts off hot, there's some number of people who are holding their card to say, you know what? It's been three great weeks. Jacksonville's three and all good time for me to sell my Trevor Lawrence cards. And there can be, the market can sort of get flooded with yeah. cards or, or can get oversaturated with his cards in the short term. And that can actually make prices go down. So you can have this weird thing where you're like, man, Trevor Lawrence is killing it out here, but his prices are going down. And that's just because the supply overwhelms what's even an increasing demand for his card. So that's something to be on the lookout for. But yeah, T-Law and Jacksonville does really well. If they have a great season, if they make a deep playoff run, you, know, you could have like a Joe Burrow phenomenon that we saw a few years ago when Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl and his card market really exploded. I would love to see that, honestly. I Because I am looking into some Trevor Lawrence cards as we speak. But uh, one last one, because uh, you've been on here for 30 minutes, and I thank you because I didn't mean to hold you so long. But uh, Deshaun Watson, any, any thoughts on Deshaun Watson? Because right now I was looking at the 2017 prism. It's a silver. Cause that's all that they had for prism that year. It's a PSA 10 
currently selling for 272, which is right about where it was a year ago. However, over the last month, it is down 13%. I'm wondering if he does well with the the Browns, there's probably going to be a lot of hype around that, which could propel him even past his actual performance would have propelled his card pricing. I'm just wondering if he's not a someone to consider taking a flyer on. Yeah, he is a super interesting one because I think there's a lot of upside and a lot of downside here. Yeah. But the one thing I don't think happens is I don't think he treads water. I think either he's going to plummet or he's going to do really well. And it was he 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 was on such a trajectory before all the offseason stuff and missing the year and then getting traded. He was he was really on a top 10 maybe even a top five quarterback trajectory, according to some analysts. But then, you know, he had the layoff and then he came back and he did not look good last year for the Browns. And I think that's scary. That That's a worry that I really have. So I, I what, what's going to happen this year, Jesse, I think, is that either he's going to return to form and look great and people are going to feel comfortable and confidence that he could uh, right the ship here and, and really have a great career and, and be a great player and make and, and, and possibly leave the lead the Browns to, you know, contention for a Super Bowl. But on the other side, if he if he looks like what he looked like last year, you know, then I think it's going to I think things are going to sink fast. Yeah. And so and so I think there's a lot of people waiting just like and their, their first game, if I'm not mistaken, is against the Bengals this weekend. So that's a big that's a marquee matchup uh, against a tough opponent. <laughs> I'm going to be watching with great intrigue to say, you know, is the is the old Deshaun Watson in there, or is this the new Cleveland Browns Deshaun Watson that we saw last year? I'm going to be uh, yeah. very curious. I'm excited to watch the, that game as well. We're uh, Mike is hopefully going to be home at that point, and we're going to be over at their house watching together most of all of these games. So um, for Monday's episode, you guys stay tuned. We're, we'll have a lot of comments to go, but. Uh, this has been great, Chris. Thank you, as always. Any Anything else before uh, we part ways here? Huge congratulations to Mike on the addition to his family. And uh, uh, he is missed from this podcast. But you know what, Jesse? You are holding it down. You're doing a great job. I'm raising the roof again, everybody. You can't see it, but I'm doing it. Chris McGill, thank you so very much. Uh, you and the entire Card Letter team, we appreciate what you guys do for us. Uh, and, and again, if you guys... Uh, haven't already checked it out. If you go to Sports Cards Nonsense under Card Services, there is a link where it gets you 15% discount using uh, all the professional settings through the app, which uh, I can't stress how much you need to check them out because they are all I use pretty much are the professional ones. So uh, thank you again, Chris. Thank you, Jesse. Okay. We don't have a ton of time. I, th- I thought I was going to keep this like a 50-minute episode like Mike d- did when I was gone on his solo episodes. But at this point, that's looking not in the card. So I do have to hit a few other things before we, we check out and maybe do a mailbag or two. But um, the other big announcement that came out that we haven't even had a chance with, I teased it at the beginning, the SGC news. This is not because they are a sponsor. This is because if anybody did this in the hobby, we would have to talk about it. They are essentially it's all hands on deck. They are moving forward. And I think this is my theory that I would say, whether we were uh, in involved with them on the side or, or not, this is such a benefit to people holding SGC cards 
Uh, I'll, I'll explain in a moment. But the, the big news was a few things. It wasn't just one. It was a few things. So they came out with an app. So if you haven't already checked it out, it's on iOS and Android. It is, I was very concerned, like, you know, these first-time apps, how they respond, how they work. It works terrific. You can submit all your orders on there. Um, and you can keep all of your cards. I added like every single one of my SGC cards the day of, because it was super easy to do. And now I have all of them, including pictures and all that and pop counts and all that good stuff. So that's awesome. Um, check out the app if you haven't, but the big news was the pricing on their services. They have officially gone and done one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, they've lowered every card, all sport cards down to $15 per card. $15 a card for, uh, like, at most, I think they're saying 10-day turnaround. At most. Most of those are much shorter than that. So $15 a card for all sports cards, $9 a card for all TCG. This, uh, well, let let me finish, and then I'm going to get into why I think this is such a big deal. Uh, There's also $9 a card still for 2023 Topps Chrome. That only lasts till September 30th. And then the other uh, piece that went along with that was that if you want a one to two day turnaround, I mean, if, if a week to 10 days isn't good enough for you, if you want it in one to two days, it's only $40. I think it's down from like 150 or something like that. $40 to get it back in one to two days. Absolutely crazy. Uh, oh, and the Miami Dolphins news. I don't know if we ever talked about that before I left for the trip too, but they are now sponsored with Miami Dolphins. So if you go to a game, you're going to see signage up. They're going to be doing special things at games uh, and other things involved with the Dolphins. I, I was asked not to talk about those things yet, but there's really, really exciting things. They just seem like the the people internally, not just Peter, you know, the the head honcho over at C, uh, uh, SGC, but the internal people are... S- Every time I talk to them, are so excited. And this is my thinking. If you hold an SGC card right now and you are not like into, you know, you don't have to flip every card you get. You, you either are holding it for PC or you just uh, are buying it because you like the card and you might flip it down the road. This is going to bring so much traction and so much attention to SGC. Whether you've used them before, you're already using them or you've never tried them. This is going to bring more business their way, which inevitably the more cards you see is going to increase value. This is just my overall thought process. And I think it's pretty accurate to say that if you're seeing more and more of these cards out there, they are going to be more relevant. And therefore people are going, especially because we, everybody already knows they already are like the standard for grading as far as consistency goes. And the fact that it is just an overall great service and company for customer service. So all these things are factors to help push the value up. You can make card purchases right now that are going to increase in value by you doing nothing. They can do, the the player has to do no performance. The TCG character can do nothing at all in the TCG game. It can have no external value other than just the simple fact that you are buying something right now that is deemed to be less valuable by people who aren't as well-versed in SGC and other grinning companies. They deem it to be less valuable. This will go up in value as more people buy in to the SGC philosophy. And therefore the things that are in your PC, you're just holding onto will go up with them. That is my thought. I think it's fairly fair thought. I don't think this is a a biased thought by any means, because I think if anybody did something like this, it would go along the same lines. So that 
being said, I I have been doing a little more, more buying uh, as of late, or I, I should say I'm doing a little more bidding. Um, we have done uh, a, a partnership with PWCC after the national and some exciting things they're going to be doing coming up and the partnership with Fanatics. It just seemed like we, we haven't had an auction platform on since last year. And to work with a professional auction platform is uh, kind of a game changer for us. So we started working with PWCC as of this month. And I've been on there ever since just trying to, you know, I wanted to familiarize myself so that we could talk about it and I could sound like I'm educated about it. But as I was doing it, I started like finding all of these deals that I can't help but bid on. So I currently have like, since the last like few days, I don't know, I'm bidding on at least 10 cards. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping I don't win every one of them because it may be a little too pricey, but if I win them at these prices, it won't matter because I will be able to flip them for incredible amounts. Um, so they PWCC does a weekly auction every Sunday. Uh, the, these auctions will close. We're going to talk about this on each Thursday, just kind of to tie in what's going on in the market. Any cards we see as being undervalued or just good opportunities to buy. Uh, to tie in with this episode that we've been talking about, Deion Sanders, 1991, there's a score football. It's a BGS 8.5. It's current bid. There were no bids on it. I bid $7 on the high bidder right now. The They have so many, so many people send their things into PWCC that there are inevitably things that fall through the cracks that don't get bids on them, and they will go unbid, and you could have gotten it for $5. There's a, a, there's a buyer premium like there is on every auction site. 20%. So if I paid $5, I'd actually pay $6, but still $6, like this Deion Sanders card to get it graded. I I'm basically paying for $7 for this card. It'd be what it is raw. You know, like if, if I got this card, it would be as if I bought that card raw. That's the kind of pricing. Um, there's a Whitney Houston 91 pro set PSA 10. Uh, I'm paying $11. I'm the high bidder again for that one. Um, I also am following the philosophy of like, hey, I don't think I'm going to flip all of these cards. And if I can get an SGC card right now, it's basically a really good investment because I can just let it sit there and it will go up in value on its own. So I bought a, um, well, I bid, I'm hoping that I bought uh, this Joe Burrow 2020 Panini Illusions SGC 10. It For PSA 10, it goes for, oh, what did I, I looked it up. It's like, at least $50. Um, no, actually, excuse me, it's $75. So it goes for 75 bucks. And right now I'm getting it. I'm the high bidder at $26. I will continue to do this. And I would further suggest you guys at least check out PWCC, check out SGC cards on there, because this is such a good opportunity to, to find stuff that is significantly undervalued. All this graded stuff, like all these graded cards that are going for $5 um, or $5, $6, less than 10 for almost everything that I'm looking at is amazing to me. But you also have like wax, like 2021 Panini Prism Football going for $900 right now. That is such a good deal. It's crazy. Um, again, they end on Sunday. Continue to check it out. We'll give you updates each week on what we think is great. There's a card that I'm not even going to tell you about because I think someone doesn't realize what it is um, because it is so low. Like people have bid on it, but I have the current high bid and I've set a maximum to go up like another 
50% on it because it's so low in price that it, it doesn't make sense. I'll tell you about it next week. If I win it, I don't want you to go out and steal it from me. So anyways, uh, check out PWCC when you get a second and we'll continue to give you more updates going forward. Uh, those were the highlights. Again, I think if you guys are, are interested, we will be doing some more giveaways coming up here soon. Um, we do have the, the UFC packs, the, again, 2023 Panini select. If you go to, uh, sportscardsnonsense.com forward slash treasure, you enter your information. First 10 are going to get a pack. I'm going to just say one request. We never do this, but share the podcast with your friends. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to do anything, but if you like what you hear, Granted, it's a solo episode. I get it. You prefer Mike and I, or maybe just Mike. I wouldn't. No one ever says that, of course. But if you like what you're hearing, just share it around. We would love to to know that other people in the hobby, even people in our own Facebook group, who we have over a hundred thousand members in there, we still find so many guys have not heard of us. Just give us a shot. That's all we ask. Um, thank you. That that's just a, a request. From me, from new Papa Mikey boy, we we just want to grow uh, the sports cards nonsense name in the hobby, and we can only do that really with y'all's help. Uh, well, that and advertising, but this is free. So um, that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. We did have some uh, a, a few mailbag questions. We just don't have a ton of time. Um, I appreciate it, guys. I'll try and hit these up on Monday with Mike. But anyways, it's been an absolute pleasure. This is Jesse Gibson, a.k.a. Sportsboy, signing out. Sports Cards Nonsense, brought to you by The Ringer, powered by Spotify. I did it so well. Definitely didn't write that down and then read it back to you guys. And we will see you on Monday. Goodbye.